0: Everybody talks about how to make more money, but our world has changed. We don't get to run our business from an office anymore. Our co-workers are our kids, spouse, and dog, and those guys are needy. We have to accomplish things in a fraction of the time that they used to take. Time is our most valuable asset. Time to run our business, time to grow our business, time to be with the ones we love, maybe even time to have fun. Join me on my journey to find the best tools and systems to run my business with the goal of earning more time every day. My name is Emily Martinez, and this is Time Hacking Radio. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Time Hacking Summit. I want to thank Matt Stuckey so much for joining us today. Um, So Matt is a dear, dear friend of ours, and he has graciously joined me on this. So I want to tell you a little bit about him. Matt began his career in education after receiving his Bachelor of Arts in History from Humboldt State University. His passion to tell the human story and his commitment to educational reform has shaped his path in education. In his 16 years as an educator, 13 as a credentialed teacher, Matt has worked as a substitute teacher, site test coordinator, classroom teacher, social science department lead, head coach, and educational consultant. Matt currently works at Vista High School as a US history teacher and a criminal street law teacher. I'm curious about that. His experience supporting and leading educational teams includes actively cultivating the growth of a professional learning, of professional learning communities, instructing within a co-teaching model, mastery-based grading, project-based learning, challenge-based learning, and the inquiry design model. These have allowed him to continuously grow as an educator and a leader. Matt is the lead teacher and co-creator of the challenge-based learning program at Vista High School. Matt was a founding teacher of the Personal Learning Academy at Vista High School, a pilot program that integrates interdisciplinary, personalized, project-based learning. In the inaugural year of the Personal Learning Academy, Matt collaborated with a team of eight teachers to create a standards-based contemporary and relevant curriculum with cross-curricular projects in the humanities, mathematics, and science. As a teacher at VISTA Focus Academy, he worked with at-risk students in an effort to bridge the achievement gap and create a foundation of success that would lead to high school graduation. Matt has always sought to be an advocate for underserved populations. Matt is a graduate of National University and holds a single subject teaching credential in sci- social science. I also have to add, he was, student, he was teacher of the year, and I don't know why that's <laughs> not in there. So up your bio, Matthew. <laughs> so um, knowing I have an insider's look at your life and knowing that I totally forced you into participating in this because you have so much good information to share with these people. So um you know let's jump right in. Um okay. this is a weird time people uh parents are way more involved in their children's education than they ever have been and it's freaking people out. And so that's why I wanted to have you on here to um discuss the sort of upper grade what what's going on with upper grade. So Can you tell me about What What's going on?
1: Sure. Let me, let me just start by saying that it's, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to be here and an honor to, you know, be part of what you're putting together. So I'm always happy to give whatever insight I have. So, um, so thank you for letting me be here. Like pretty much, I mean, you hit it the nail on the head. Like this is really just an absolutely bonkers time in my world and in the world of education. And so that that really spreads into everybody else's life. If you have a child in educate, if you have a child in a school system anywhere here in the United States or around the world, like this impacts you. And so I don't have the statistics to say how many people that is, but let's just say it's a lot of people that this is impacting. So really, like parents have to be involved so much more because of this virtual distance learning situation that we're in. And so, what can parents do to really ensure that? Um, their kids are in the best place to learn when they're not physically going to school like it is right now. So number one, like the first thing, first thing that I would generally recommend to parents, and this is, this is possible on even the smallest of budgets, just thinking of, you know, the diversity of Americans, like really what we need to do first and foremost is provide some sort of workspace for children, for your children. Sometimes that's not as easy as it is as as it sounds. I should say, but providing some sort of workspace where children can have just a little bit of quiet time or alone time to maybe to focus on their studies. So that could be a that could be a table, like where I used to do my homework when I was a kid at the kitchen table. It could totally be that. It could also be you know a small desk area that you that you put into the bedroom or in an office area. It just needs to be a place where they can sort of disconnect from all the other things in the world and just kind of focus on doing their school with whatever they have in front of them, their device, their, their iPad, their, their Chromebook, their computer, there's, you know, a whole litany of things that they would use for that. So that's the, I think that's simple, but I I think it's something that people kind of overlook. They just assume that their kids will, you know, figure that out. Right. I think it's having a plan for that is really important. My second thing on my list is it's going to sound like a teacher but you've got to create and maintain a schedule with you, with your with your student, with your children at home while they're doing school. So just like they'd be on a schedule at school and the upper grades, you know, period by period they they have a class, they have a break, they have a class, they have, you know, a break, they have lunch, they have time to meet their friends, but they just, you know, in terms of rotating from class to class, it's it's essential that 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 that, that a schedule like that is maintained. So, and what I really mean by that is, is I, you know, talk with a lot of parents over the last, you know, five months. And, and so there's this perception that if, if school is at home and school is virtual, that school actually can be anywhere. And in theory, that's true, but in practice, that's not always true because if you're not in a space and you're not, you know, if you're not in a space that's dedicated to school and you're not on a schedule that sort of, Routine that you can sort of that you can go through on a daily basis. The chances of, of deviation are are much higher. As an example, I had a student that left on vacation today, and won't be back till next week. And, and under normal circumstances, there's you know things that they have to go through with attendance, and and now it's just well I can take my stuff with me and still do my work. And my fingers are crossed, and I'm hoping that happens. But there's always you know some issues there. Two more things. I'm I'm awfully long-winded generally. So, the third thing on my list is just to try to learn the tech, and that's not easy. And there's really no, there's no easy tech out there. I really I don't believe that all tech requires a little bit of of knowledge and a little bit of sort of messing around with it. So, but I do think it's important that you learn the tech that your students or that your children are using. So, um, for example, my own children use you know. Various things, you know, things like class dojo that some of you may have heard of or something like the Google classroom that a lot of other people may have heard of. And so being familiar with how all of that works and the interactions that are available on there is really important for the parents so that they can, so that they can stay on top of that and help their students if they have any, if they have any issues at all. Because as you can imagine, tech support for those things at a distance for schools is hard to provide. And teachers can only provide so much from a distance. So, I mean, when I'm in the classroom, I deal with tech issues nonstop and I can fix those things because I'm right there. But from distance, it's not it's not as simple. And then the last thing that I'm going to put there, this is important for all things in life. It's just not just not just when you're trying to help your kids through virtual school. Just ask for help if you need help. And so most people, they're afraid to admit when they don't have things figured out. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's a normal, it's a normal fear that people have, but when you don't have things figured out, it's okay to ask for help, to reach out to a teacher or reach out to a friend that, you know, um, has a handle on this or, Hey, what are you doing with that? Um, You know, what are you guys doing in terms of your schedule, like with your neighbors and things like that? I just, I think it's really important that, especially in this sort of like social distance, A virtual world that we try to connect with people and try to sort of learn from people where we can in a safe way, of course. But um, those are just some, a few of the tips that I would recommend for parents.
0: (laughs) Uh, So understanding that older grades uh, should mean more independence, should, Mm -hmm. I I know. Um, What should parents be looking for that might indicate that their kids need help?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And so this, this goes um, this this is this is true in normal circumstances too it's not just true in this distance learning so my first my first thing that i that I wrote down was to know your kid and I know that I, I mean I, of course we know our kids right, but like it's really important to sort of just to really tune in on on those on on their sort of day to day and just know your kid. Like if something's a little off, like ask them and, and sort of just dig into those little things. Normally, and under normal circumstances, we often just, especially in the upper grades, this is, this is prevalent in the upper grades. We just trust that our kids have it figured out. They're gonna, you know, we get a progress report every, every six weeks or so. And as long as those things look good, we just trust that everything's going okay. But I do know as, a, as an upper grade as a high school teacher that six weeks of great grades can be eliminated immediately from two weeks of just you know tuning out and 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 having to catch up and and then that starts to snowball and so just know your kids and pay attention to the little signs that are unique to your to your own child right I think that's pretty simple um, check in with teachers through email I mean email is I'll get to this in a little bit, but email in the virtual environment is, is even more time consuming than it ever was before. So, um, but if you have a minute and you just want to check in, like it's really important. And and every teacher I've ever encountered in my life appreciates these check-ins because at the upper grades, they're few and far between, and it could just be something simple, you know, an email to me that says, hi, Mr. Stuckey, my name is Emily Martinez. My my child is in your third period class. I just want to make sure that everything's going okay. It seems like everything's fine. Just checking in with you and and if you could give me an update on their progress. Super easy. And I can I can respond to that in a few minutes. Um and teachers really appreciate that. So um like I said, they're few and far between, but that's one way to to find out for sure. And then the last thing, and every school district has some sort of parent portal or some sort of parent access to their students schedule their grades and those sort of things and often they there's little progress um, indicators that you know their grade is trending up or their grade is trending down or their grade is sort of you know just trending in a sort of you know or and it's not moving a whole lot it's just staying where it's at so those sort of things are really important if you just check in on those and you don't have to do that every day you could do that once a week at the end of the week and just check in and see that everything's going the way, you know, where you think it should be going. And if something doesn't look right and talk to your kid about it. And then, um, if, you know, if your kids like my kid, they'll say, I don't know. And then you have to, you know, dig a little bit more. And then you have to maybe ask the teacher if that's, if that's something that you would like to do. So, but those are three things that I think are really important for interventions. And, and, you know, there's no tried and true anything because every child is a little bit different. So if you know your child and you, you, uh, periodically check in with the teacher and then just go ahead and check on your, um, on, their, on your student's account through the parent access, you know, that would be, I think you'd be in really good shape.
0: Awesome. So um, what do you see or you know, what are you seeing right now or maybe that you think will happen? Um, the parents are getting stressed out or maybe making a bigger deal about something that, you know, doesn't, isn't that actually a big deal? Like does that happen? Are the people over involved and too stressed? I mean it's weird people getting stressed about their kids, I know, but still
1: <laughs> totally right um yeah there's i mean right now i mean it, there's a lot there's a lot of anxiety around around uh, education and just and the number one thing that I'm gonna mention here is is um and all parents know about this, but the learning loss. so schools schools in California closed on March thirteenth and didn't reopen. so um, until just this past until until the fall. So for my school district, it was September eighth. for other school districts, it was you know within a three week window of that. Um, so, There's a huge learning loss that goes without saying, which always happens over the summer anyway with children, but parents are really worried about it. And, and, you know, I'm here to just ease those sort of fears. Uh, Learning loss is normal. Teachers, you know, I speak for, I speak for a lot of teachers are professionals and they're, they're trained and ready to sort of um, fill those gaps in that. So. Um, I know a lot of parents are really worried about that. Um, you know, they saw their, their child's reading levels maybe dip when they had their first, you know, reading test of the year or, you know, things like that that are little indicators or math scores are kind of a little bit off and, and those things will come back around. They, they absolutely will, um, like anything else with practice and with, with, you know, some care, they will. It, we were in a really weird situation, and it wasn't just that schools were closed, it was just was people were left at home and kids were separated from their friends and kind of isolated and all of that has has a bit of a psychological effect that that has impacted all of this and you know parents some parents will choose to not listen to that, but the learning loss will that gap will be bridged um, and And it's across the board, every child that attended any school has to, or is dealing with that. So including college and, and, and those upper level, like sec, you know, beyond secondary schools. So I think that's one of the big ones. And then the other one, I actually, I think that one's fine. I think that's really like, I mean, that's sort of the biggest fear for parents right now. And then there's, you know, there's also some fears surrounding, you know, safe return to schools. And those are absolutely legitimate fears that parents feel but children feel and teachers feel as well um, you know as as um, essential workers teachers are going are going be there to to greet kids when they come on campus, but I know that that's something to worry that parents are worried about, but I promise you that school districts and school sites are you know spent summer working on safe reopening plans and are constantly sort of it's not just you know the plans in place and we move on they're being revisited on a regular basis so you know, it's not, it doesn't mean that there's, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a hundred percent and, you know, no kid is going to, you know, we're not going to experience children with symptoms and things like that, but there are plans in place and, 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 you know, safe reopening of schools is going to happen at some point. And so I think that trusting that all of the professionals are doing the things that they need to do to keep children safe and to keep uh, teachers safe on campus and other essential workers on campus safe is something that's gonna happen. So I think those are two areas that, that parents are really worried about.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um so what on um, you know on the the flip side of that coin and you could wherever you want, um what what do pe- parents need to be focusing more on for their kids at home?
1: Yeah, so this this is, I mean, really, uh, this is really my bread and butter. This is kind of like, this is the t- kind of teacher I am. And this is what really gets me a little, you know, fire in terms of what the real focus should be. And so uh, for me, um, it's about structures that support, you know, teaching and learning and socialization with your children. So those are, those are the things that matter the most. They really do. So um, if if you can create structures at home and instill structures at home that support teaching and learning and socialization with your children, then they're going to be okay through all of this. So um, teaching and learning is a social, it's, it's a social um, activity. It really is. It's 100% that way. And so that's why this has been so odd because we're sort of, we're all distanced. Um, and trying to trying to make this work from distance. But if you can support that, um, I think that, you know, your child's going to be in a far better place, even if they may not understand, you know, the cause of the American Revolution. I mean, I hope they do. But I'm just saying that, you know, that's my history teacher coming out. But, you (laughs) know, (laughs) it it is, you know, it really is, you know, but I, I just think that's it support those things and give them opportunities to, or give opportunities to support those. And I think you'll be in a really good place.
0: Well said. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but I am curious about, you know, what is an appropriate communication Mm -hmm. with teachers versus like overstepping the line? Like, you know, I was sort of thinking about like when my kid is complaining about something, like, for me this is where this thought sort of came from like Mm -hmm. she complains about something and I'm like should I mention something to the teacher or or just let it like fizzle you know but that could I mean it really it could go anywhere so what are you what do you think
1: about that so as a parent so as a parent first I'll start there like as a parent I I mean on a daily basis, I I have, I, I go through those things in my own head. I'm like, should I reach out? Is it still stepping? You know, and, and I'm, I'm in the profession. So this is, this is what I do for a living, you know? And so, so I'm always kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? And And to be honest with you, it's, it's not very often that I reach out, although occasionally I will. So there's absolutely, there's absolutely cases where I do reach out. So part of, part of this is, is, as a secondary teacher, part of it is, understanding how and when to empower your child to be their own advocate. And so really like that's it's so hard for a lot of teenagers to do. There's no doubt about it. One out of every 10 might just be great at this and it, the number might even be great, you know, one out of every 25 can do this really well, but the truth is that that's really what we want to do as parents and as teachers, is we want to empower kids to just to be able to have those conversations with their teachers so that they can start to be ready for the adult world. Like, you know, I mean, at 43 years old, my mom's not going to call into my office and, and talk to, and and, I mean, she, she might actually, but, but truthfully, like we want, (laughs) (laughs) but we, we want to empower our children to do that. So it doesn't mean you stay out of it completely, but you listen to what they have to say. You encourage them to reach out and to sort of solve the problem on their own or, or, or address the issue on their own. Um, if if they're willing to do it, then you know that it's actually something that, that really matters and that they're, you know, really concerned about or they need to address. Um, if they're not, then you just kind of lay low and, and, and see if it comes up again, and then you just keep encouraging that. But I do, I absolutely encourage parents to email teachers. I I, I love getting emails from parents, like even, even some of the wild ones. I, I still like getting them because it it lets me know that parents are involved. And that's really important because I know that success in school is, is uniquely tied to this sort of, you know, parent, teacher, student relationship. And it doesn't, you know, it's, it's when one part of that's out of the equation, it, it, it limits the ability for success. And so that's, and, and I know that like as a, as a secondary teacher with years of experience, I know that that's the truth. And so I encourage parents to to email. I'm going to be. I can't say that every teacher is going to agree with this, um, but phone calls are actually even better sometimes than email because you get an opportunity to to talk and and sort of um, just just to get a a little bit of insight and 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 know a little bit more about the parent. And they'll usually they'll usually divulge a little bit more if it's a phone call. They'll talk a little bit more about certain things, and you can kind of find out um, better ways to sort of to help you know, their child in the classroom. And so, cause emails are usually pretty sort of succinct, you know, and so you just kind of get to it and, and move through it. Um, but I do love a phone call and I almost never get them, but um, you know, from parents, at least I'll get an email and occasionally I'll, I'll request a call and it'll work out, but um, it's, it's absolutely okay to do that, you know, but I do think in the, in the higher levels, like you want to encourage a little bit of, of your child sort of Taking that into their own hands, but definitely pay attention.
0: Makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm curious now that you've been in school for a couple of weeks, what is working in this whole virtual environment?
1: Everything that we do is working to a degree, honestly. So in my world, we're connecting. You know, every every teacher's connecting through video somewhere, whether it's a a Google Meet or a Zoom. Those are the two that I'm familiar with. There there may be other other uh, applications that you can do this with. But so in terms of getting kids connected and sort of showing up, like honestly, like I know that sounds crazy, but um, versus what happened in the spring in the high schools and what's happening now in the fall, like kids kids are showing up and that's really important because in the spring that was not necessarily the case. So there was, you know, long lists of things of, of, you know, students that we weren't having contact with and we were trying to, to you know, to make contact to make sure everybody was okay. You know, first and foremost, to make sure all of their needs were being met, social and emotional. Um, you know, we provide like a lot of schools food services for a lot of students and their families, and so we had to make sure that was that that was okay. And so there's a lot in the spring that was up in the air, and kids just weren't connecting. But now, like, kids are uh, students are connecting with teachers, um, which is fantastic, and I do think that's working. The venue's a little wonky, like for kids, like they. Um, depending on the school and the district, you know, my district video is not required in my district. So I'm generally teaching to a room full of tiles. There's just tiles with names on them. And so a few kids will have their cameras on and, and most will not. But, you know, and when you elicit a response, it's it's not like a normal classroom setting where you ask, you know, a question and you could kind of by proximity make kids, you know, kids will answer. But there's some anonymity to the screen, that, especially when their screens off, where that's not so. So while Zoom is working, it's also not working on that other on that other front. What I found works really well is simplifying um, your application, your apps that you're using as a teacher. Like there's so many fantastic apps out there, uh, but you can't do all of them. Like every teacher can't do all of them, and by no means should they try to do all of them. So limiting those and sort of really becoming an expert on the ones that that are going to help your class get to where you need them to to be is really important. So that's working if you can limit those things. Um, I've also found that, interestingly enough, like students, I had mentioned that they're showing up. They're also communicating much more than they ever used to. So which is great. So, um, you know. I'm getting like I mean I I don't want to tell you how long I spend going through my emails every day with students but it's it's added a ton of workload for me to to read through those things that I normally wouldn't have to you know because they're you know day-to-day communications that I would normally have with kids but um but that's working really well I think they're communicating much better and in a more formal manner than I'm than I'm used to which I think is important so I just, you know, in terms of setting up like parameters of how things as an adult, you know, you're going to email people, whether it's a a resume for a job or just an introduction for uh, if you would put an application somewhere or there's all kinds of things that that you would do with that, that I think that that students are doing much better. Um, So I think that's working well. um, And I think that um, the flexibility that a lot of schools are are. Are allowing more of a flexible sort of timeline on things, I think, is really good for students. There's no doubt about it. Um, they just don't feel as much pressure. Like, as a high school teacher, anxiety and stress for young people is at an all time high, which is just, which scares me and makes me really, you know, makes me really fearful for, you know, the health and well being of, of, of young people. And so, some of that really alleviates that and that's fantastic for kids. Um,
0: Absolutely. In my house also, like just the fact that you can turn in things like a little bit later, that's all you just need a little bit later. And they're like, it's fine. So true. So is there anything that is, I mean, you mentioned that the screens speaking to blank screens, but is there anything that's just, you know, not working and you're excited to go back to school so you don't have to deal with,
1: whatever so I mean the uh, truly like the one I mean I mentioned this before in terms of the social aspect of what I do but um, everybody knows their own strengths and my strength as a teacher is building community in my classroom so it's really difficult to do that without without just physical proximity so you know what I mean it's just it's so hard to do that without kids in the classroom like I in a, in a zoom meeting I I can't, I can't see what they're doing before they walk through my door. I can't greet them necessarily the way that I would greet them. You know, we can't talk about things that are going on at the school. Like, you know, oh my gosh, did you guys see, you know, what happened at the basketball game last night, for example, or something like that, or, um, you know, oh, there's, I mean, in high school, it's, you know, you see two kids walking together and, you know, you, you sense that there's some sort of, you know, Romance in the air, so they come in. They come into your classroom, and you just kind of say, "Oh, so like, what's going on?" With you know stuff like that, that just helps build community. It's. I mean, it really does. It's just the regular social interactions that I just am. As a my biggest struggle, this is the biggest struggle I've had in my years as an educator is trying to figure that out. Uh, you know, I have students that are repeat students that I kind of lean on for a lot of that in my classrooms. Like, I'll I'll just sort sort of have like jovial conversations with them, you know, before class starts and just to try to bring other people in, but it's, it's tough. And that's, I mean, that's really, that's number one. And number two, I think I mentioned was, um, of course that it's teaching is the, is the easiest part. It's, it's the hours in between. So if I sleep for eight hours and that's a, that's an if like, we'll see, I don't know, but if I sleep for eight hours and I teach for, you know, seven hours, you know it's all the rest of the time that is spent sort of planning and creating, and there's so much front front end work that that goes into this virtual teaching that that's really difficult that's a tough adjustment, so still still figuring that out,
0: yeah, yeah, so my last question in this part of the interview I'm kind of you kind of mentioned that like but I want to know what's your life like right now? Like, what are you, how do you spend your days? Like I, I know classroom time, but mm-hmm. are you, how much time do you spend meeting with other teachers? Like where are you yeah. getting ideas for all of this new stuff? Like what's going on?
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, in today's and, and, in 2020, teaching is is collaboration is a big part of teaching, of course, and so networking is is a, is as well a great, a big part of what we do here. And so normally, you know, for the past maybe five years, I've spent summers um, networking, going to conferences, or um, doing consulting work, or um, things of that nature, um, professional development. And I mean, th- we're talking like a weekend here, a weekend there. I'm not like spending two months doing that, but but so i've i've been able to do that and create a network of teachers that i can sort of that i can connect with all over the country which is amazing and worked with a group called global nomads so there's even teachers that i can connect with in different parts of the world but so that's you know that's key to what we're doing so i'm still trying to keep all of those networks open and trying to connect to people that way it's 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 critical that that we do that because teaching and learning doesn't happen in isolation in one classroom you know surrounded by four walls like that's my big push even as a as a as a site leader like that's my big push is to get teachers to sort of branch out and to be a little bit more open to that collaboration there's of course there's a lot of fear over that because if you're if your practice is wide open then um then scrutiny comes in there at some point so but everybody needs to be needs to be okay with with a little bit of a little bit of feedback and a little bit of failure like nobody gets better without failure so um that's you know Obviously, as a coach and and uh, as a teacher, like I know how important that is. Um, so, so definitely that's a big part of it. So, um, at our school right now, our schedule is modified. So students don't start till nine o'clock, which is actually an ideal starting time for high school students. There's been numbers of studies done that show that high school should start later, and so we can never convince anybody to get that to happen. So just because of parents and work and work, work schedules and kids have to be dropped off and I understand why we don't start late, but the statistics prove that we should. And so now in this environment we're able to do that. So my day starts at what used to be my normal time of seven fifteen. And you know, from seven thirty to to nine or to, to nine o'clock is, is collaboration time. And so teachers meet, we're meeting virtually. Um, some teachers are on sites teaching. So I go into work every day and teach, and there's a handful of teachers at my site that do that. And we're allowed to meet safely with masks and socially distanced, of course, all of that's happening. So that that's going on on site a little bit, but we're meeting and and, and collaborating in the mornings and trying to figure out, you know, the best way to deliver instruction, instruction in this environment for students. And so that's happening. And then the school day starts and I'll teach my classes. And then, um, you know, depending on, you know, high school schedules or T- depending on the school, teachers teach a certain amount. They have a free period to do their planning, and then um, there's me- sometimes meetings at the end of the day after school. But most of our collaboration's done in the morning, when our brain is ready for that. So, because after school our brain's just thinking either about coffee or um, <laughs> <laughs> my brain my brain all day long thinks about coffee. But yes. but. Um, you know, but it's just, you know, our brain turns into something else. Like, you know, I got to get home. I got to make dinner. I have to, you know, get my exercise in or whatever it is that, you know what I mean? We all have that stuff. And so, so my, my teaching day is, is a little bit different than it used to be in terms of the collaboration. And I love that that's built in um, classes for students have changed a little bit too. We FaceTime is required, you know, face-to-face time is required, even though their cameras aren't allowed, aren't, don't have to be on. So we're, we're required to have. Um, that face-to-face instruction time and then you know we break out into small groups and we do you know virtual groups but we can do that with Zoom which is pretty amazing and so we break out into groups and we do work and I'll check in from group to group and um, and then we have some independent work time during the day where it's sort of like office hours where my you know kids can you know we're still in the same meeting and kids can check in and we can talk about things and we can they can ask um, questions and so So it's just the structures have have changed quite a bit. And some of those things I love, like I would love for the schedule to stay that way. I would love for the office hour type thing to be available for students. So because often it's like teach from bell to bell so that, you know, because there's so much to cover. And truthfully, like you're always going to have a lot to cover. So, you know, you just got to find out what's really important and cover that. You know, you can't ever cover it all. So um, although everybody, lots of people try. So. So my day's changed a little bit. It's the end of the day. There's always a lot more to do than there used to be, though. So just to make sure that everything's ready for the next day, checking links and things that, I, you know, checking the links. And we, we got something It's called the LMS. It's a learning management system. And so a lot lots of schools have these. We have a brand new one that um, we found out about a week before school started. So. <laughs>
0: oh that's good nice
1: so learn so yeah that's learning and nice. and it's it's a requirement that we use it which is fine because if it's not a requirement people won't use it so um but yeah learning that is is you know that's what I was today when I was at work till four I was like I need to leave but I was just practicing figuring stuff out in there so
0: <laughs> there you go there you yeah. go oh man <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do
1: <laughs> for sure for sure
0: well, Matt, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Time Hacking Summit. We kind of went off the time hacking theme, but I feel like this is such an important thing for for parents right now to, you know, get a little insight into mm-hmm. their students, you know, management and what's going on mm-hmm. in their lives. So I really appreciate you taking your time out of this insane schedule for the Time Hacking Summit. And um, I know you're gonna share a little bit more about the technical stuff in our bonus interview. So anyone who is interested in joining us in the bonus interview, make sure you sign up for the all access pass and you'll get the rest of this info. So thank you.
1: You're welcome, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, thanks for joining me today on Time Hacking Radio. If you are interested in any of the tips or tricks or tools that we mentioned in today's episode, please go to our website, resources.timehackingradio.com, where you can find an up-to-date list of all of the good stuff that I like. And please join us again on the next episode of Time Hacking Radio.